Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing Scripture. Uh, I'm joined here today with Jeremy, Nathan, and Dr. Bailey. Uh, before we get started uh, with the podcast, I want to go ahead and congratulate Dr. Bailey on earning his uh, doctorates uh, from Bethany Bible College out of Dothan, Alabama. So, Pastor, go ahead and take a couple minutes and tell us how that all went for you. It was great. It was, uh, you know, a, a long trip there and back. You know, and not, you know, not just the uh, the actual experience of walking and graduating, but man, the marathon of getting that degree. It's been uh, it's been a long journey, and uh, but it's been good. It's been worthy. I think it's really been beneficial. Uh, Dr. Seitler was one of my mentors, and Dr. Seitler made a statement. He said, "If uh, speaking of those who have been called to preach, he said, a call to preach is a call to prepare. And so uh, I really believe, uh, you know, that it's it's needful for uh, for young men going into the ministry, you know, get all the training you can get. Everything can be made better by training. You know, it's a really good spot to talk about uh um, ttinstitute.org that's the website of our Bible college here Tampa Theological Institute and uh, we offer some online classes and some on campus classes and so it's a worthy cause man I'm telling you it really improves your mind improves your, your thoughts about scripture so I'm thankful we got it done but I am glad it's over I am happy it's done yes sir uh, Yeah, it's definitely one of those things you definitely want to pursue an education uh, it never hurts to learn more um, so today we're actually uh, located in James chapter number four, which is uh, we're going to see is a very interesting topic. He definitely uh, kind of pairs the thoughts of chapter number three and runs it straight into the beginning of chapter number four. Uh, so it's starting in verse one, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Because ye ask not, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy, or is the enemy of God. It's bold. Yeah, it's a bold passage. To, to not un, not uncommon for James. Nope. Yeah. So Jeremy, you were saying. You know, right right behind chapter three, we got chapter four here. Yeah, you know? all connected. Not an accident at all. No, he talks about how, um, you know, we talk about like I've heard a few preachers say like the world is what destroys the church, um, but it seems like we do it when we war against each other. And I think I've heard you say several times when the the church becomes worldly and the world becomes churchly, mm-hmm. and. Um, the only way to stop or start to fix it is fix it in the church first. Mm. I'd go farther, fix it in individual lives, then fix it in the home, and then that'll take care of the church, and the church will. Well, I think that's kind of been the message of James all along: is there's problems in the church, but the problem can't be fixed from the church. It has to be fixed internally. It has to be fixed personally. Each man has to fix it in self, and then it fixes itself and corrects itself in the church. Uh, which I think is ultimately should be the goal of every Christian person is to be like Christ. And once everyone's like Christ, they have the same message and motive as Christ. Uh, it can really change the world for the better. What's interesting in verse number one, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? He doesn't use uh, little words like arguments or or things of that nature. He He comes out with the big bomb, wars and fightings. It's... 
uh, and we see that today in church where it's it's not just arguments there's literal wars taking place between members and mm-hmm. it's uh, being very destructive uh, i remember reading something about after world war ii in uh, great britain it was just total destruction from world war ii all the old buildings and uh, things that were cherished were torn down and uh, completely ruined because of, of war and the same thing can happen in the church yeah, I think that's that's an amazing point to make because uh, remember in chapter number three, what was the illustration he used? He talked about a little fire, how how great a matter a little fire. That's right. Can I thought about the same thing. Um, and it's the same thing. How much destruction can come from a war? Um, and actually, uh, that's perfect to mention that this is wars and fightings. Uh, I think that that ultimately we would oftentimes consider that what we would call strife, um, what the Bible would call strife, and that's strife and contention among each other which you know sitting here it's easy to say that that should not happen but unfortunately more times than not that is uh churches fall victim to this all the time and it almost always starts verbal mm-hmm. almost always you know even in uh uh even in a, uh, a a domestic violence conflict you know something as severe as a as a crime that's happening in the home uh, it starts verbally it starts with with two people in an argument you know, and sadly, uh, it escalates, and it becomes uh, it becomes a, an actual. It can become an actual physical uh, conflict. Uh, hopefully, it does not escalate to that point. But most of the time, you know, that's definitely on the on the horizon if if the verbal thing is not settled. And you know, I'm curious curious about you guys. You know, I mean, y- y'all have been around uh, around the church long enough now. You know, I mean, have you seen that in church? Have you seen an actual war going on in which? Uh, you know, there are people taking sides, people flying their flag, people saying, hey, I'm on this side, I'm on that side. You know, this, I know I have, you know, I've been, I've been pastoring going on 25 years now, and it's been, I've seen more than my share of it. Yeah, you know. Um, it's very, very disgraceful, I believe, for the church to, to be in that kind of a state. Thankfully, uh, not in uh, churches that I was a member at, or not when I was a member there, uh, but I've heard plenty of stories. We have a sister church about 30 minutes away. Uh, theirs was... Uh, I've seen arguments as big as um, this one where they were uh, trying to build a property, uh, which hindsight now, looking back, was a bad idea. But there was a huge argument in uh, among the church members about building this church and only or building the church and the school and everything, uh, and it caused problems. Um, I've also heard of it, like I said, as small as people arguing over the color of carpet in the church or the color of the pews are, uh, which is so... Uh, silly, uh, but I, I personally have experienced and seen, maybe not in my own church, but I've seen in other churches just wars and fightings among church members. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if maybe it was you, Pastor, who used to tell that, has told that story a couple of times where the church was arguing over the color of the shingles on the roof. Yeah. And Alabama. they sat on which side? <laughs> one went in green, one went in red, mm-hmm. and now the church is divided. Yeah. On which and if side? you get, and I've heard, I haven't seen this with my own eyes, but I've heard that if you go to that church today, one side of the roof, it's a you know two pitch roof, and uh, one side of the roof is red. One side of the roof is green. Red people sit under their side. Green people sit under their side. Red people exit out of this door. Yeah. Green people exit out of the other door. It's like two congregations under one roof. Hmm. It's pretty disgraceful, you know. And that that's not normal, you know. I mean, that's that's kind of a that'd be pretty pretty way out in left field. Um, but I know for me, 
you know, in, in my years of pastoring, one of the things that I've discovered, and this is a super controversial thing to say, um, the, this product of war in the church, uh, maybe we need to call this podcast that on online, you know, war in the church. It's a, but the, uh, the event of war in the church, a lot of times comes, you know, as you guys stated earlier from the home, I think it was you, Nathan, that said that, um, you know, you take a man who is, uh, I don't know what term you want to use, henpecked, or, or he's, uh, he's being browbeat or being, uh, you know, scolded all the time by his wife. So he, he doesn't have two words to say at home. He comes to church and he sees that as his opportunity to speak up, to speak out, to say his piece, you That's know, good point. and, um, and, uh, you know, these same people who do those things, all of my training has told me that the same people who do these types of things, who create these kinds of wars in the church, uh, they're the same ones that show out at the city council meetings and the same ones that show out at the parent-teacher conferences and same ones that show out on the little league field when their kid, you know, doesn't uh, get the call that he should have gotten. You know, they're the same ones that scold the the coaches and the referees and make a big scene and all that kind of stuff. And so um, – you know, James is clear about this, man. I think this is a local church issue. I think it really needs to be understood. You know, there's conflict here that has to be resolved. And on that note, uh, I was looking at the the little uh, references in, in the middle in my Bible. It was on G on verse number one or verse number two. But it brings brings us to Romans 7. Uh, and here Paul is, is talking about battling with the flesh. And I'll just read a few mm-hmm. verses. Uh, yeah. For that which I do, I allow... This is verse number 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin dwelleth, sin in, me. dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will it, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, for the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Yeah. I find then a law that when I would would do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And here, I think if we just bring the point that wars and fighting should not be us fighting each other in the church, we have this major sin problem that is just, it's cap, it's taking uh, children of God captive, and that should be our focus of, of this war and fighting. It's not to be with each other, but it's to be on ourselves, looking at ourselves, reproving ourselves in the Word of God, so that way we can be presented before Christ when He either returns or He calls us home through death, and then He'll be able to say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." Amen. You know, uh, something that I think is interesting is uh, so many times today, and I believe there is true persecution. Uh, don't get me wrong, but.
But it, I think it's crazy. So many times we scream persecution, 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 but really uh, there's more execution going on in the church within members attacking each other and just yeah. damaging each other. There's more execution, I think, sure. nowadays than there is persecution. And what does it all boil down to? I think that Nathan just read it there. And then also verse number one, uh, he uses that keyword, lust. Uh, lust. Uh, you know, uh, so many problems that we have, uh, even something as simple as the tile on a roof or the carpet in a church, is because uh, the man thinks that his opinion uh, is so important and that his voice needs to be heard, like Pastor said. Uh, and then we have this issue where uh, we have people dying and on their way to hell, and they are, I mean, people are just busting hell wide open, and we're sitting here arguing about church carpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ridiculous things, ridiculous things. I don't know if you guys, um, maybe if I tell you guys to see if you guys recognize, or maybe if you see the same point. But I've been reading uh, Colossians on my devotion times, and it seems like um, he, throughout all James, but even these first four verses, it's almost like it's idolatry. Colossians three five talks about all the other stuff, fornications, uncleanliness, yeah. all that stuff comes down to a form of idolatry. Because he's saying that, um, what is it saying for? Where it talks about um, friendships of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like he's and also referring back to the Sermon on the Mount: No man can serve two masters. Yeah, you know something I mentioned uh, Wednesday night when I preached here uh, was I said um, I was reading this man. His name's J. G. Uh, Coleman is his name. Uh, and I was reading this book on the book of James, and he said, you know, uh, a lot of people think that Paul and James were at odds, and they were preaching against two different things. Uh, but really, uh, Paul preaches uh, justification before God, and James is preaching here justification before man. And how true is that to the church that uh, he can't, that we can't sit here and properly evangelize and soul win like we need to. Because if someone comes into the church, and not our church in specific, but someone goes into a church and they see bickering and fighting among each other, and then they ask themselves a simple question, well, why would I want to come here? Yeah. If this is something that goes on in the church, why do I want to be any part of this? Yeah, if you, I mean, if you want to, if I want to, if I want to watch a boxing match, I'll just stay home and watch it on television. Right. You know? Or UFC or something like that, you know. If I want to watch wrestling, I'll just, I, I can stay home, but, uh. You know what you were saying, Jeremy. Also about the idolatry issue, it's really the you know the, the the modern American church is guilty of idolizing human rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by I'm not talking about civil rights, or I'm not talking about you know the basic rights of humanity. What I'm talking about is there is a there is an idol there's a an idolatry of uh, well I have a right to be happy. Or I have a right to have my way, or I have a right to be served, or I have a right to customer service, right. and the church is not about any of that. You know, the, the church is not a—it's not consumerism. You don't come to church and say, you know, there's not a waiter that you can leave a less a lesser tip or complain to a manager or something of that nature. So a lot of this conflict, and a lot of this warfare comes from people who just believe that they have more rights than what the Bible actually says that we have as believers. You know, we're part of a body. Uh, you know, and to amputate ourselves from that body and try to act individually is madness. Yeah, well, not only that, but, I mean, think about it. Uh, when does the Bible ever talk about uh, getting your way, having your way, uh, getting your voice heard, all Never. this stuff? How often does it talk about, though, submitting? Uh, and like we've said so before, uh, it's not submission if there's not a disagreement. You know, there's probably some things, uh, and I can say for certain, there's some things that um, maybe even 
you and I don't see eye to eye on. We may not agree on the methodology of something, but ultimately uh, it is my uh, position as someone underneath you uh, supporting you to submit myself to your authority. And I, the same goes to the churches. Uh, once again, I don't care personally if we have purple carpet in the church. It, do, it doesn't bother me. I, it may look hideous, sure, yeah. but it doesn't bother me yeah. because ultimately the carpet doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, what I don't matters, have to like it. Yeah. I don't have to like it. I, I don't care about the carpet when it comes to worship. You know, when I see purple carpet, I'm not going to be like, I can't praise God today yeah. because there's purple carpet in the church. Yeah. Right. And, and you know what? We should never get away from the fact that what we deserve is hell. And what we deserve exactly. is the lake of fire. We exactly. don't deserve. So why are we complaining, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, why are we protesting and registering all these complaints? What, what was it, Paul, that said, you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your in body. In your body and your spirit, mm-hmm. which are God's. Yeah. And it really shouldn't, I mean, uh, we've cited it, but it really shouldn't matter what the carpet looks like because the building's not the church. Exactly. The Bible, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, he says when two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. And that yeah. makes the church. Yeah. And yeah. years ago, I preached a sermon on the first church and the last church. It's an old message, but first church, no carpet. First church, no pews. First church, no air conditioning, no thermostat. First right. church, no shingles. You know, That's the first church. So we're the only church that has these buildings and these bank accounts and all this stuff that people argue over. Mm-hmm. But you know, if I could just make the point, in verse 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Yeah, I think that's the bottom line of this passage because the reason why these wars and conflicts exist is because a person philosophically is not getting their way in this world, which means they love this world too much. And if all you want is pleasure in this world and you're going to protest and fight and have conflicts until you get your way, you're focused way too much on this world, man. You got, you know, it's like you were saying, Zach. I mean, souls are going to hell. There's eternity in the in the balance here, and and uh, you know, I just don't understand such a focus on having your way in this yeah, world. I actually uh, even talked to. I remember uh, talking to uh, Brother Folsom one time. I was just talking to him, and I asked him, you know, there's some things we all have. Those things that I was like, hey, what's your opinion on this? It's things that maybe aren't. Huge doctrinal issues. There's small things, preferences, dress code, whatever. And he says, and I'll never forget this. He's like, why would I argue with someone about my preference and dress code when people are dying and going to hell? Yeah. Hmm. Some things should be put secondary to uh, your preferences or your thoughts. Listen, uh, if a lady uh, walks in, in he- walks in here uh, in shorts or in jeans, I'm not going to sit there and gasp and knock out and, like, freak out. I mean, her soul is more important than the clothing she's wearing, than the preferences I have, the the comfort I have in my comfort zone. Uh, The souls are ultimately more important than that. Uh, And I think that that that's kind of, like Pastor said, James here, verse number four, he makes it very simple. He draws a line in the sand and says, pick a side. Yeah. He says, pick a side. Are you going to be friends with the world, an enemy of God, or are you going to be on God's side and an enemy with the world? And, you know, the sad thing is a lot of churches, because they're they're finding that the churches are emptying out, they're trying to change uh, the image of their church or change the, how the services are conducted, change what goes on, because they want the world to come in. Yeah. Like they, they want to, you know, uh, we'll have 
free lunch after after church today uh, for everyone who wants to come or and then after that they'll they'll move to the music uh, we changed our music to accommodate to uh, what the newer generation would like they always mm-hmm. try to put quotations around the newer generation but it, it's still the old highway that works absolutely and uh, for hundreds of years it's it's been you know the old the old uh old-time religion but somehow they mm-hmm. preachers want to change what the church is but i don't think christ it's is consumerism gonna, right yeah. christ isn't gonna isn't gonna uh, take it on on judgment day when uh, all these preachers have tried to change what the bride of christ mm-hmm. was like and uh he wants he wants his his uh pure bride right back to now listen, they're making uh, their own god now listen, there's something yeah. else important to understand. Exactly. If the Bible listed everything that the apostles thought and everything that the writers thought, I mean, literally, you could not contain the book in the volume if it had in all of Paul's preferences. But I can just tell you, because Paul was a human being, I was talking to my young people today about Hebrews 11 and people in that. One thing you have to understand, are they written in the Bible? Yes, but they are just as flesh and blood as we are. Paul, I am 100% certain Paul had his preferences and his thoughts. And listen, I'm sure there were many times when Paul didn't agree with something, but Paul didn't say something. But, like in the book of Galatians, when it's something doctrinally wrong, right. Paul says, that's where I draw the line and that's right. where I'm cutting you off. Yeah, because the gospel is at stake. Yes. It's not personal feelings. And that's what, you know, we're going through Galatians on Wednesdays here. And um, yeah, that's one of the statements that I made recently is if there is a conflict, it needs to be doctrinal. And mm-hmm. people kind of hesitate and say, whoa, what, what, what did you just say? It can't be personal. You know, we, we don't have the grounds. The, the only thing that we have in the Bible about personal conflict is verses that say things like, prefer your brother before yourself, yeah. or defer to the person, you know. Uh, you know the Bible give, talks about uh, remembering your brother uh, and not being a stumbling block to your right, brother. Right, right. So if there is a conflict, it should be doctrinal. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully that never happens, but nevertheless, otherwise it's not a worthy conflict. You know, right, that, that's, right. That's and, pretty foundational in scripture that all this other stuff is really just petty it's non-consequential it has nothing to do with eternity yeah exactly and like like i said anytime you read about uh, the people and they write if they're having an argument or a disagreement it's never about something like paul didn't like the way peter dressed it was paul didn't like that peter was risking the gospel by uh saying things to one side uh, but then going to the other yeah, side. Yeah, straddling the fence, doctor. He was straddling the fence, and it was dangerous. Two different gospels. So, you know, yeah. and I think that that goes back. Uh, it's very easy for us to get comfortable where we are and think that we earn something or we deserve something. Uh, but like Nathan said, importantly, uh, to wrap this up, what we got to understand is we only deserve one thing. Yeah. Uh, we only deserve one thing, True. and that is hellfire. Um, yep. And God, we have gave too us. high of an opinion of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Conflict comes when people have too high of an opinion of themselves. Right, and and, and I'll I'll share this. Uh, Brother Tony and I went out, uh, sort of witnessing uh, this week, and we went to the mall and we were passing out tracks. And that is like complete opposite of the person I am because I I can't go up to a new person and just you know start talking or. Uh, hand them something it's it's totally opposite of what is normal for me but in christ uh, he gives sort of uh, this strength to to press on for uh, his name and for the kingdom and when when you do that and when you you just 
keep your eyes focused on souls. There will be confidence to do things that you normally wouldn't, and there will be uh, help to do things that you normally uh, to overcome things that you normally would do, like Paul said, uh, help overcome sin. Right. You know, honestly, I think we're going to have to come back again uh, next week and revisit this because we didn't even get to the verse number three. Uh, we kind of skipped around it where it says you ask and receive not because you ask and miss. Uh, so we'll definitely have to get back to that. Uh, but like I said, uh, and like we said here to summarize, uh, James very clearly says the verse number one and verse number four. He says that uh, you're either a friend uh, with the world and an enemy with God or a friend with God and an enemy with the world. And you have to choose which side you're going to be on. Are you going to be on God's side or are you going to be on the world side? You can't straddle the fence. Can you have preferences? Sure. But should those preferences come in the way of the gospel? Never. Absolutely not. I I think that's ultimately the the, the concept that we have been talking about here is that it's okay to have preferences. I have my preferences. I've told my wife I have my preferences. Uh, But does that mean that? I'm going to start a war with Nathan because Nathan doesn't agree with me on some things. Yeah. Absolutely not. Not necessarily. I think that's what it boils down to. So a great passage here today, guys. Uh, So thank you all uh, for joining us. And uh, for our listeners, uh, we would just like to remind you uh, where you can find these sources. Uh, First of all, if you want to keep up with Brandon Baptist Tabernacle, you can go onto Facebook and follow us. It's just Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. Uh, We do try to post there. We post the podcast on there post some songs some special songs in our services uh so we invite you to go on there uh, and follow us and like us uh, we also have our website brandonbaptisttabernacle.com brandonbaptisttabernacle.com uh, you can go online and visit us there and of course we have our services uh sunday morning our sunday school starts at 9 45 with church at 10 45 uh, our sunday evening service is at six o'clock and then our evening our wednesday evening service uh, prayer service is at seven o'clock So thank you once again for tuning in to Cherishing Scripture's podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing Scripture.